You're listening to the WBAI Evening News presented by The Independent, New York City's radical newspaper and website, celebrating its 20th anniversary this fall. I'm John Tarleton, the Indies Editor-in-Chief. Speaking of the end of the world, it felt like we got a glimpse of that at the end of last week when photos showed San Francisco's night sky lit up in an eerie orange glow from nearby forest fires. The fires continue to rage up and down California, as well as Oregon and Washington State, consuming more than 5 million acres of land so far and blighting the air with a thick smoke. To talk about the fires and some of the stories behind the wildfire story, we are joined this evening by Ariel Boone. She is a journalist in the Bay Area who produces Upfront, a morning public affairs show on our sister station, KPFA. She previously worked for Democracy Now! here in New York City. Ariel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. It's great to have you with us. Uh, First of all, uh, for those of us uh, here in New York, uh, can you kind of paint a picture of of what uh, it's like to be in the Bay Area right now and in these recent days when the the sky was orange and and I understand there's still a tremendous amount of smoke? Can you just kind of paint that picture for us? Yeah. On the orange sky day, which was last week, everybody woke up and fully expecting the sun to be out at 8 a.m. We all had to turn on our lights in our house instead because it just did not become bright. The sun just did not break through this orange layer, or in San Francisco, it was also more of a a reddish-orange layer um, from morning until sunset and then a little bit the next day as well. And this was caused by a thick layer of smoke by very strong winds that was in the upper part of, um, of the atmosphere. And ironically, or kind of uh, uh, sadly enough, that day was actually one of our cleanest air days that we've had in the last month on the surface where we breathe the air and most of the smoke was actually just far above us, which was causing that color. So that was one of the few days that we were actually able to open our windows uh, for those of us who are housed and uh, let the clear air in to, um, to air out our homes, our apartments. And for the rest of the time, today is actually the 28th straight day of a spare the air alert, which is a designation um, from the Bay Area Air Quality Management District saying that uh, the particulate matter outside is very bad, but it's unhealthy, and that, uh, you know, there's no burning allowed, limit driving, limit exposure to the outdoors. Um, And it's frightening. Uh, I have friends with newborn babies, and they can't take their babies outside because of the air quality. Some people who are in evacuation zones right now, especially in the Sierras, are sleeping in eight-hour shifts with other members of their families, uh, so that people can stay awake, and if the evacuation order comes in, that they can all flee together, that there's someone awake during that time. Um, right. Everyone knows someone whose family members have lost their home. Right. And, and um, can you can you summarize for us uh, um, here why these fires have exploded the way they have? Um, I understand there's more than one factor at work here. Can you just break that down uh, quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, this could definitely be a 20-hour conversation on this, but uh, having interviewed some forest ecologists over the last uh, couple weeks, I will do my best. So after about 13,000 years of forest management by uh, tribe members from the Yurok tribe, the Crook, the Hapa, uh, sorry, the Hoopa, the Miwok, the Chumash, and other tribes, um, California outlawed intentional burning in 1850. And since then, 
we have basically been completely suppressing fires in the state. So areas, of, large areas of the state that used to burn every year uh, are not burning. And Californians have continued to build in suburban areas that are more wooded. So we're going to places that have, where there's historically been fire. We're also experiencing a drought that's definitely caused by climate change. Climate change has also authored, altered our weather patterns, um, bringing hot winds to part of the state in times of the year when they didn't normally have them. Uh, and in the Bay Area, it typically just doesn't rain for about eight months out of the year, which is one of the reasons that we have this very long smoke smoke event. And uh, one of the biggest drivers of the fires this year that have exploded is actually lightning. And hot and windy, humid lightning storms, I remember in New York, were not necessarily uncommon, but it's virtually unheard of in, in most parts of California. Um, so on top of the drought and the fire suppression, some of our biggest forests have lots of growth of underbrush, and that's competing for water with the trees. The trees get starved of water and nutrients. Those trees die off. So we have very poor forest health here. And all of that means there's an enormous amount of fuel that has to burn. Uh, you have weather conditions that are hot um, and lightning-y that are, are igniting our forests, and those are carrying through areas that people live as we have continued to build in those parts of the state. Okay. And then one last thing I'll say is yeah. that uh, in recent years, our deadliest and biggest fires have come in October. We're not even there yet. So this is early in the year to be experiencing all this. Wow. Okay. And speaking of these fires, I mean, it's a tremendous task to try to uh, fight them and, and, and rein them in. And I understand the, the state of California is, is now turning to uh, formerly incarcerated uh, people who served uh, involuntarily as firefighters when they were uh, in prison and have you know, since been released and returned to civilian life and were previously denied the chance to pursue careers as firefighters, but now they're being welcomed into the force. Can you break that down for us a little bit? Yeah, so the end of the California legislative session came about in the end of August, and there's a bill called AB 2147 that uh, Gavin Newsom signed in the middle of a, a burned area um, in, a, in a bit of a, a photo op. And what that does is it gives people who were firefighters when they were behind bars the ability to apply to the state to get their records expunged. Um, and it already does not include people who potentially were convicted for violent felonies um, such as uh, murder, kidnapping, sex offenses, things like that, because those fire, uh, those people who were previously incarcerated already were not permitted to, to be firefighters, but some people with some felony convictions, once they got out, after they had done firefighting behind bars, they were barred from, uh, from getting jobs with uh, municipal firefighting crews because they couldn't get an EMT certification. And so this should help alleviate that. But it's very recent, and I haven't yet heard of anybody who's successfully gotten their um, their record expunged through this program. So it seems very aspirational at this point. Cal Fire still says it is very understaffed um, in its project of fighting fires, which, again, is about suppressing fires and not necessarily um, um, managing them or, or doing prescribed burns. So that's where we're at with that. And I'll, I'll also say I spent a lot of time on the phone with Cal Fire and their, um, their media contacts in the last few weeks. And while I've, when I've spoken with them about um, 
so-called inmate firefighters, they insist that uh, people should not be called incarcerated firefighters or formerly incarcerated firefighters, but rather inmate hand crews. And so I think this choice of language just really stuck out to me that even while putting their lives on the line, still incarcerated firefighters are not treated as equals. Um, you know, it's yet to be seen whether they will be once they are um, acknowledged by the state. Right, and, and neither are they paid as equal. I understand they make about a, a dollar or a dollar sixty-five an hour when they're uh, out on the out on the front lines doing this work. Um, also, yeah. I'm just curious uh, out in the Bay Area, uh, you all have one of the most uh, powerful politicians in the country, in House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And a couple of years ago, in early 2018, shortly after uh, AOC showed up on the scene in, in Congress uh, promoting a Green New Deal to uh, really try to address uh, what's happening with climate change in a very uh, thorough way, uh, she dismissed it, uh, calling it the, the Green New Dream or whatever. And now her hometown is uh, you know, inundated in smoke for weeks. You have these fires raging up and down California. Do you sense any blowback against Pelosi from from her constituents? And I mean, whether that will manifest itself at the polls this year or maybe in the future. You know, during this crisis, air quality has been worse in San Francisco than it has been in Oakland, which is a weird reversal because Oakland is the site of of a lot of environmental racism that makes the air quality here very bad and asthma very bad, especially for kids. But no. Um, Nancy Pelosi still does not support the Green New Deal, and I have seen most of the blowback in the state um, targeting, actually, Governor Gavin Newsom because he has been escalating uh, the rate at which he's been signing oil and gas drilling permits, even while uh, giving lip service to climate change and theoretically going to war with Trump and the media over, you know, both believing in climate change as a Democrat. So... I haven't seen a lot of direct pushback against Nancy Pelosi right now. I do know that the Sunrise Movement is planning um, an action to respond to Trump when he comes to town soon. But I know Sunrise Movement activists online are definitely speaking out against Pelosi. Uh, One of them, Erin Bridges, was there two years ago when activists held a sit-in at her office. And she said she would never forget watching CNN in Pelosi's office as the images of the fires from 2018 flashed on the the screen. And, you know, it's two years later, and she's still the only member of the Bay Area congressional delegation who has not co-sponsored the Green New Deal. Right. And and one last question here, uh, which is uh, – up the, up the way in Oregon, I mean, there's been tremendous fires, and, there, and there's been a, a lot of fear-mongering that, uh, that uh, Antifa is, is somehow involved with that. And uh, it just strikes me that we ha- we're facing so many crises right now, climate change, uh, you know, racial injustice, the economy, the pandemic. But we're going to have a very hard time uh, resolving this if, if – if, people's ability to obtain information is is so polluted uh, and and people are so lost in this uh, you know maze of conspiracy theories uh, any any thought on uh, how you know disinformation is uh, affecting uh, people's ability to respond to the wildfires out there yeah I agree some people have remained at their homes which makes it harder for firefighters to do their jobs and people were remaining at their homes because they're frightened that um, so-called 
you know, left-wing extremists are going to come and light fires in their neighborhoods. This makes it harder because it takes longer to evacuate an area. It puts people's, puts people's lives in danger, not just those who stay behind, but also the firefighters who have to come knock on your door. Um, and so there were numerous incorrect rumors spread in Facebook groups, including one that's false, uh, saying that seven members of the Antifa had been arrested for arson for starting the Oregon fires. This was debunked. It was debunked by law, local law enforcement. I really encourage listeners to check out the reporting of Jason Wilson in The Guardian. Um, he's a journalist who's been reporting on white nationalist movements and reporting on the Portland protests. And from his reporting, it really seems that this information has been spread in some of the same right-wing groups that um, uh, that have been planning the militia response to Portland protests, as well as some neighborhood groups uh, and, and kind of regional groups in southern Oregon, which, uh, uh, just for your listeners, if you're not aware, the state of Jefferson is the name of a secessionist movement to take southern Oregon and far northern California and, and break them away from the United States uh, in order to have you know, more liquor, more guns, um, more white people owning land. So uh, that's right. those are kind of the regions where that's spreading. Uh, okay, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of different uh, toxic uh, uh, things happening right, right now. Uh, well, we wish you all the best out, uh, out there uh, uh, dealing with all this. Um, we'll have to leave it, uh, leave it here for now. But Ariel Boone, the Bay Area journalist uh, who works with our fellow uh, Pacific Station KPSA, thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight on the WBAI Evening News. Thanks, John. Keep up the great work. Okay, you too, Ariel.